if you decide work is terrible and people are terrible, it's going to be terrible. You know, we can show up to work with a different intention. And so it's really about saying this is temporary. I'm not going to be here forever. I just need to get through the days. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pantucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of whatever makes you feel good, sit back and join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hello everyone and happy Tuesday. We have officially hit March. We have moved in to the 12 month mark, the one year mark since we've been in this new COVID life of lockdown and restrictions and dare I say it, pivoting. (laughs) You're likely sick of that word like I am. Um, One of the things I'm finding, and I know I'm not the only one feeling this way, is we've hit multiple walls of burnout and we've gone through different waves emotionally and professionally. And a lot of us I'm hearing have have felt like lately we've hit that like 10th wall that 10th emotional wall of like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. What am I doing with my life? What's going on with my life? And I'm very excited to chat about this with Tess Brigham today. Tess has been dubbed the millennial therapist by CNBC. She's an expert psychotherapist, certified life coach, public speaker, and she specializes in helping millennials discover their unique life path in order to go out into the world and make an impact. One of the reasons why I'm pumped to talk to Tess today is because I am 31 and I'm feeling like my career is just starting. And I know for most of my 20s, I felt that pressure of, you know, comparing ourselves to our parents' generation. Why are we not married at 22 with kids at 24 and know what we're doing with our whole life and settled in our career? And does that make us failures? And there was, I felt personally a lot of pressure from that. And I just realized a lot of that pressure came from those external sources of like, oh, find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Or like, oh, what are you passionate about? And we talk about, you know, why we put so much pressure on our passion and why we feel so stressed to figure out what exactly it is we want to do. And I'm rambling now, but I feel like you guys get the point. So (laughs) Tess is an acclaimed one-on-one coach who empowers young adults to gain the confidence they need to create their dream life through concrete and actionable steps. Tess's work as a career coach started after her own life transformation took place. At 27, she seemed to have it all as a top Hollywood junior talent manager, but on the inside, things felt empty and pointless. She took a huge risk quit her job, and rebuilt her career and life that she now loves. She now helps other young adults and early career professionals navigate the same quarter-life crisis process with her practical experience and insights on finding happiness and clarity. She provides tools and techniques that can powerfully shift an individual's mindset and behaviors for overall well-being. Tess is a vital resource for those who may be feeling stuck, uninspired, or uncertain by where they are in life. She's also the author of the Quarter Life Crisis Handbook. 
I'm pumped to talk to Tess today. Like I said, I feel like a lot of you guys have felt this emotional wave or multiple waves throughout this last year. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to questioning where you are in life and if it's actually what you want to be doing and the stress that comes from that. So again, before we kick this week's episode off, I encourage you to head over to my Instagram at Unfiltered with Allie. Tap the link in our bio and you will find a link to our women's only Facebook group. This is a group for you guys to connect with other like-minded, badass women all around the world and actually find support and community when having these conversations or continuing these conversations offline. Here we go. Let's kick this week's episode with Tess Brigham off. Hi, Tess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Are you in California? I am. I'm in Northern California, which is... How north are we talking? Like, are you? can you go snowboarding if you wanted to? Uh, if I or drove a like couple hours. Okay. No, no, I'm farther north. So I'm in the Bay okay. Area, the San Francisco oh, Bay Area. Okay. So that okay. part of Northern California. Jealous. Love California. <laughs> it's um, one of my goals to move there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure it out. You guys aren't very nice with visas, so oh, minor plot twist, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Do you want to go to Northern or Southern? Because it's you know, very, it's a big state, very different. It's funny because I, for at one point, thought I'm like, I could see myself as a San Francisco chick. Mm-hmm. And then I went down to work with Hilton on a campaign one summer. So excited, right? Summer, San Francisco. <laughs> That's <laughs> let's do this it's gonna be amazing forgot to pack winter clothes didn't Mm -hmm. know why I thought I would need to pack winter clothes yes but I was like what the heck (laughs) why is it so cold yes yes well and Carl just like runs your life Carl (laughs) Carl is the fog right ah Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I know that our best months are, you know, August, September, October, those the fall. Yeah, but June, July, not so much. So that's why I laughed when you said summer in San Francisco. (laughs) And and it's, you know, San Francisco is it's surrounded by water. So it's always foggy and cold. But then there's about four or five hours of really nice weather. And then it gets cold again. So layers. It's so funny. I mean, like, it, you just think like, oh, California always mm-hmm. hot. But it is yeah. one of those amazing states where you could literally do everything. Like you mm-hmm. have access to everything there. And it's such an amazing state. Tess, I am pumped to have you here today because we have some great things to talk about that I know a lot of people listening are going to resonate with. And I hear it with my clients. I hear it out like with people surrounding me. I hear it in the Instagram community. I feel like I went through it myself. <laughs> like, why am I 30 starting to be like, my career is just starting. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think I've come up with my theory, you know, I'm chalking it up to this single theory. So we have our parents, right? Mm-hmm. Think of who raised them, our grandparents. And think of the time and the generation that our grandparents lived in. Mm-hmm. Not comparable to what we're living in today. But our parents bring us up based on what they know and what they were taught as kids. And then they push those beliefs onto us of like, you go to school, you do your homework, you go to college, you get married, you have kids. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You, you think like, if you don't have that by 25, what am I doing with my life? Is it too late? And I got flustered with that a lot. And I know that a lot of people feel flustered that 
they're pressured by like comparison. They're pressured mm-hmm. by seeing everything around them of feeling like everyone has their shit together except me. And they don't know what their quote unquote passion is mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. And I know you work with a lot of your clients and I know your story is really similar to that as well. You went through that. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I am, I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I'm also a board certified coach. So I meld these things together um, to work with my clients and I specialize. I've been working with people for over 15 years and in the last decade really devoted to working with young adults. Um, you know, I used to say millennials cause that's who were in their twenties. Now millennials are getting older, but young people, you know, Wait, in we're not 20- millennials anymore? <laughs> no, you're still, I think you're still a millennial, but now, <laughs> <laughs> so now we have this whole new younger generation coming into the mix. So, um, yeah. And so I, I, my story is that I, my dream as a kid was, I was going to work in the entertainment business. I had lots of different dreams. I wanted to be a film director for a long time. I wanted to be the female Martin Scorsese. I went to film school. Um, I, you know, I had internships. I spent my summer between my junior and senior year of college while my friends were getting tan. I was working 40, 50 hours a week for free as an intern at Columbia Pictures. And then I interned at Warner Brothers. And you know, that was my dream. It was like the singular thing I was going to do. I was going to work in the entertainment business. And after college, I was in Boston. And so I came back to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. Um, and I stayed here for a couple years. And at 24, I was like, okay, well, I've reached the highest echelon of where I'm going to reach here in San Francisco. I got to go to LA. And I went to LA and I worked at a um, talent agency and as an assistant. And then I got a job working for a talent manager who is a wonderful, wonderful person um, who I just, I still speak to today, but I was truly miserable, like really miserable. I, mm-hmm. I had friends from the outside. It seemed like I had it all together. I had this great job. I had friends. You know, I had a life, things were happening. I was doing big things, but inside I was truly, truly miserable. And I would go to the bathroom and cry and I just didn't know what was going on. And obviously now I can see that I was, you know, having my own quarter life crisis. But at the time I just, I felt like at age 27, I felt like I put all my, my entire life, my, all my hopes and dreams were in this one thing. How could I leave? You know, I'd spent all this time, all this money, all everything I couldn't possibly leave. And um, I left the job working for this one, this wonderful woman. And I was like, okay, I'm going to find myself and I'm going to figure out what I want to do. Maybe I'll work in production. I don't know. And I couldn't leave the LA dream behind. And I learned that on my first day of quote unquote vacation of my finding myself, I learned that my college roommate had passed away. And when you're 27, you don't expect to get those kinds of phone calls. You don't get that people pass away. And so that sent me reeling. And I went out to her funeral, saw people that I hadn't seen in 10 years from college and, or maybe like five years from college. And I realized like, wow, I had, I kept putting off seeing my friends doing fun things because I was working on my dream. And once I made enough money or once I got to a certain point, I would, you know, be able to travel or be able to do this or be able to do that. 
So that after that, I left, I came back to the Bay Area and it made me really think to myself, what is it that I want to do? You know, if it's not working in the entertainment business, if this isn't it, what is it that I want to do? And I decided that I was like, well, the one thing I really enjoyed about my job was I really felt like I was good at helping our clients, like the emotional part of it. I was good at knowing sort of how to speak to people. Um, I I had always been told I was very intuitive and I was like, maybe it's therapy. And I had never taken a psychology class. So I went and I took a psychology class. Yeah. (laughs) So I took a psychology class. And I loved it. And I was like, I think this is it. And so I then went and got a master's degree and the rest from there. And and what happened was that I I spent many, many years working towards um, getting licensed. And that's a whole process within itself. But I opened up about nine years ago, I opened up a practice in San Francisco and young adults started showing up. I didn't, I didn't ask, they just started appearing like 25, 26, 27 year old women. I was like, oh yeah, I remember my 20 something years. I remember how hard it is. I remember how confusing and difficult and boys and, and, and life. And I was for a good chunk of it in San Francisco. So except for the time that I was in LA. So I was like, yeah, and I remember San Francisco and running around. But what hit me was, I was like, oh my, my gosh, your life is so much harder than it was for me because you have social media, you have the internet, you have all of these pressures that mm-hmm. I never had Mm-hmm. Um, that, that really make being young incredibly difficult. So lots of times I'll go to, I'll go talk to, you know, older therapists or older, older generations to try to sort of get them to stop and think about, you know, this is what this average 20 something is dealing with, you know, really think about it, think about how hard that is. And I think finally, it's not until you really explain it to people that they get it. But instead, right, people sort of look at these, you know, I had heard about these horrible millennials from the media. And I was like, what? They're not horrible. Like, they're not entitled. They're not lazy. They're far from it. They're incredibly hardworking, incredibly smart, incredibly dedicated. Like, what are you talking about? This isn't at all what they're like. But unfortunately, this generation is sort of, unfortunately, is the guinea pig generation for a lot of this, like that before we always criticized the young we always did but we there was just nobody we just all have a platform now to criticize as much as we want without really fact checking it so yeah um, i really do think that our generation is the generation like i said we're like we're healing linear things we're changing uh-huh. linear patterns and behaviors from our parents and our grandparents yeah it's yeah. just not comparable times at all no, it's not. And and that part about what you're talking about with the career um, is so true. And, and I think that if I even look at my own career, and this is what I tell my clients is, is that, um, that it's really, we think that we have to know exactly what it is that we want to do by a certain point. And then, then you pick that and then you go. And I, and I always say that it's, you have to think about it when you graduate from college, you know, whatever you picked as a major, you cannot, you know, you pick that at what, 20? <laughs> By 20, you have to pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life when your brain doesn't fully form until you're 25. But even before that, like I, I was talking to someone about this and it's not even college. Like if you choose the wrong, what's grade 10 in the state? Sophomore? Yeah. Yeah. So by grade 10, if I choose the wrong course going into mm. grade 11, 
that closes a door for a grade 12 course that's a university prereq, mm-hmm. I'm closing a lot of doors. I can't get into those programs. Yeah. And you're 16 when you're in grade 10 or you're a sophomore. How the hell am I supposed to know what I'm going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're right that the the dream that I think a lot of young people were sold was you, you know, exactly what you said earlier. If you work hard in high school, you do everything right, then you'll get into a good college. If you get into a good college and do all the internships, you'll get a good job and then you'll get a good job and then you'll be happy. And what was happening was clients were coming to me saying, I did all these things. You know, I went to Harvard, I went to Brown, I went to this Ivy League school I, I and I'm and I've done everything right and I'm not happy. And, you know, so much of this is part of it is right. Like in 1950, there was a 90% chance that you would out earn your parents. Today, there's a 50% chance that you out earn your parents. So the problem is, is that, right, we, if we look at these numbers, especially here in the US about, you know, what CEOs made in 1950 and what they make in, you know, in the year 2020, it's so astronomical. So what's happening now is young people are entering the workforce saying there is no, the, you know, I cannot retire at 65. You know, there, there is, there are no pensions. There are no anything. There's no guarantees of anything that I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, and I can't, there's no guarantee that I'll, I'll make more money than my parents. So why would I strap myself to this desk <laughs> for the next 40, 50 years and just give up my life? You know, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a lot of people saying, well, for, I'm going to Bali or I'm going here. Or, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to try that. And there's been this misconception that that means that, you know, you're entitled or lazy. And it's like, no, it's just that the this dream, especially this American dream, we have to redefine it. And it's been so defined by one way of thinking of this is the dream to be an adult is this right. The the job, the family the marriage when who says, you know, who says that's your dream? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that I will say I'm a parent myself. My son is 13. And so I do, you know, seeing my clients, I, I do try to, you know, phrase things differently. I think we know so much more now about brain science and all of that, that I think that we, really understand things differently. And I think we're, we're doing things differently with this younger generation, but it's still left a whole generation feeling really, you know, like they were sold a bill of goods. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. Like I, yeah, I feel like I'm 31 now and I feel like my career is just starting, Mm -hmm. just starting. And it freaks me out because then you still have the, the things in the back of your mind being like, well, retirement, you know, all of those quote unquote adult things. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm in a 31 year old body, but my brain still thinks I'm 18. And Mm -hmm. I, I have this clash of like, you know, that, that label of like, are you too old for this? Should you, should you go like, and I know I'm not the only one that feels that. Should you give up? Should you just Mm -hmm. go get a quote unquote real job? Should you you know, you still have those external pressures of conforming into what we were told to do or what we were told was the norm or what was expected of us. Yeah. And then you add that, like you said, where we have access to, to technology and things our parents didn't have. 
the amount of stress that I've had to learn how to manage, like now mm-hmm. it's not as bad as it was a few years ago, but you never know. Like comparison is the worst, especially when you don't actually genuinely know what you're comparing to. I can create a fake Instagram account. I can do it on my Instagram account and make you think that I am like the richest person in the world living the best life and making the other person feel like, what, like, why am I not getting that mm-hmm. from my job or my life? Or am I not good enough? Or am I doing something wrong? And yeah, comparison just is yeah. a killer for a it lot is. of us. It is. The, so, the, the social media aspect um, is huge. And I often say to my clients, you know, when I was young in my 20s, there was no social media. So when I looked around, we were all broke. We all had no idea what we were doing. We, we were all flailing around making lots of mistakes. So when I stopped and looked around at my friends, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right spot. You know, I'm good. And if you wanted to see someone with a lot of wealth, you would maybe, you know, get a magazine or some child actor or something like that. And I know that when I was in LA, obviously we worked with actors who made lots of money. So I would see that side of it of, oh, like you're 22 and you just got on this hit TV show and you're making, Mm -hmm. you know, $40,000, $50,000 an episode. But there was that part of it. But for the most part, you know, there weren't all these wonderkins here in San Francisco Bay Area, you know, tech is huge. So it's all about yeah. people flock here about making, you know, I want to have the next app. I want to be the next yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. Yeah. And and so what we see is these these outliers of what the norm is, and then they become the norm. And and the psychology of it is, is that even I now can go, I'll go on Instagram and scroll through and see friends and colleagues, you know, off on some fabulous trip or off doing something. And I'll be like, what? Well, I want that or whatever it is. And then yeah. I have to stop myself and say, no, you know, I made choice. I'm happy. This is where I am. You know, this is where they are. And, but it's incredibly difficult if you're 24 and you're really questioning everything and intellectually even though we're aware that when we go on social media that that's the best like this is the best presentation that you know my friend who i see here on a beach i know she's miserable in her job and this is her two-week vacation even still you see that image and you do instantly feel it so that's the part that's hard is there's the there's our intellectual understanding of things and then there's the emotional pull of but i but i feel like i've done something wrong I've made a mistake along the way. Right. So this is something you speak to a lot. It's literally plastered all over your website. <laughs> the first thing, the first thing you see, live life on your terms. Get out of your way and start living your best life. Mm-hmm. So let's say someone's at the mercy, you know. <laughs> They're feeling it. They're questioning, where am I now? How did I get here? Is it over for me? Is this going to be the rest of my life? I'm not feeling accomplished, you know, all of those standard feelings that I'm sure every single person listening has felt at some point in their life. How do you work with people to just say, okay, let's, let's see where you are, you are, and let's coach you to getting to where you want to be? Well, I, obviously everybody's situation is different, but I would say that the biggest piece is just letting people know. I think that, that what's really important is is that it's it's first about sort of normalizing people's feelings, making them understand that this is very common, that you're not alone. And I often say that one of the best parts, people always ask me, like, how can you do your job? You just listen to people complain all day. And I go, no, I don't. 
I said, beyond the, the awesome, amazing things that I can help my clients with, beyond that is I get to see that people are people, that people have pain. And so this is what I love to be able to share with my clients is that what you're feeling is normal, what you're feeling is okay, that so many people have been in your spot and that's okay. And I think for many people, they just need to hear that. Like, you're okay. Like, it's you didn't make a mistake. You didn't do something wrong. You are exactly where you need to be. It's okay. And then it's about educating them on a few different, I, you know, here's some key things that I educate people on, which is decision-making, which is huge. And, you know, it's decision-making is a tough one. And when you're young, you have so many decisions in front of you that it's really hard to pick. And I really help my clients get out of this mindset of that they're right or wrong decisions. They're just the decisions we make based on the information that we have at that time. And that decisions, and if a decision doesn't work out how you planned, it's not failure, it's just information. You know, you didn't, there is no such thing as failure. It's all information, all information that you need to understand to know in order to pivot. So if I look back on my life, you know, my time in Hollywood and all of that, that I needed all of that. All of that made me who I am today. And if I didn't have that, you know, I wouldn't be where I am. And I think that part is really important. And I think the other part of it is, depending on where people are, you said, you said, you know, right now my career is just, I'm just, my career is just taking off. Or I just feel really good about it. And this is the other thing is, is that people don't realize that first off careers take time. It's a, it's a long, long process. So it takes, it takes several years to figure out what industry or what area you want to be in. Then it takes, once you're there, then it takes many more years to figure out, is it this? No. Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? No. It's like this. It's more like this. And then finally you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm somewhere near the area. And then you have to spend years getting really good at it. And then after that, you then start to feel good. And I'll tell my clients, like, I think probably in the last three or four years, I finally felt like, I think I got this, you know, and I'm 15 years in and I'm in my forties. And that's the part that is really important. My sister, who's been an attorney for 25 years, she'll tell you the same thing 20 years in. She's like, I feel like I, I'm, on, I'm on this now. I really, I, I, things are gelling. And so the standard for you to be able to say that one year in, two year in, three years in, that you should know the precise thing that you're going to do for the rest of your natural life is insane. So let all of that go. I did let those expectations go. Uh huh. Eight years. People, a lot of people, especially now, I think a lot of people didn't really know a lot of my background until I started speaking on the podcast. And I think, I think one of my personal frustrations is that people will just look at my Instagram and be like, oh, she's like an Instagrammer. And mm. I'm like, ah, no, I do all of these things. I'm not. And even if I was, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my background was I did eight years of sales and operations mm -hmm. in the travel industry. And I did a full self-taught, full, like if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would be owning a creative agency, never have gone to school for anything marketing or creative, I never would have known that that's where I would be today. But I think the other thing is going back to access to tools that allow us to compare is like, even when we think something's an overnight success, oh, that girl just blew up or that mm -hmm. thing just blew up. That's maybe one thing that maybe happened to gain traction mm -hmm. out of the thousands of things that person has probably put out 
over years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And I saw this a lot when I was in LA and Hollywood, people would mm -hmm. have even these overnight successes that were mm -hmm. 22 when they hit it, they were working since they were 10. Yeah. You know, it's not, nobody is an overnight success. People are flashes in the pan. People are fads. People are trends. Yes. You know, those yeah. things happen for sure. You know, and, but, but for the most part, if you want stability and longevity in what you're doing, then it's about getting in there and doing it. And you have to do it over and over and over and over again. And that is what gives you, you know, that's what, what helps you gain the instinct, the trust within yourself to be able to do the work. And one of the things that I think is very different about younger generations is they see information very differently than how I was raised with information. Because if I wanted information, I had to go to the library and find some encyclopedia somewhere, or I had to go cultivate a relationship with someone who's willing to teach me something. And I tell this story a lot. My son, when he was younger, he came to me and he said, I want to make this origami Yoda, the Star Wars character. And I said, huh, I don't know how to do that. And then he disappears for about an hour. <laughs> and then he comes back in and he's like, here, I made a star an origami Yoda. And I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, YouTube, <laughs> you know, he, and so for me, if, if I was in my son's shoes, I would have had to find somebody who knew how to make origami and cultivate a relationship with them and, Maybe you know, have buy this, a book, buy a book <laughs> figure it out, do days. But so information now doesn't hold the same power because you can Google or look up anything, but what you cannot get at an instant is experience. And this is what I tell my clients is, is that the experience part and, and part of it is you know, you've got to recognize that experience, it, it trumps, it trumps information, it trumps everything. And so you have to really understand that you, it's not about speeding up to get to that experience, like be where you are, be, it's okay to be a novice. It's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be at this stage. And and a lot of times my clients think that they're going into these jobs where people expect them. And sometimes they are like to know everything. And I said, no, a good manager does not expect you like a good leader. A good manager does not expect you to know every single thing. Oh my God. Can we put that on like a t-shirt or something? <laughs> if I can think back to all the past bosses and managers I've had 95% of them. Like you don't have to be a dick, mm -hmm. you know, you can lead by being a part of the team. Mm -hmm. and raising your team up versus speaking down to them, expecting that, like, if you're here, you've earned a spot on our team, like, you should yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, no, that drives me crazy. I also, I, I work a lot with companies, and I give this talk about, you know, empathy as leadership. And to me, being an empathetic leader and practicing empathy, and that is the core. If you want to be a really good leader, you need to be willing to have a lot of self-awareness, look at yourself, look at all your stuff. And I saw this a lot in Hollywood too, was this idea that, you know, as an assistant people, you know, you, you scratch and clawed your way to this job. And finally you have your own assistant and you have power. And so people would just spit on people, you know, with just this idea of like, well, I went through it. You should go through it too. And it's like, Why really? Is that, is that so hard in media? Like, <sighs> especially the entertainment industry. I, I shoot photos for a couple of TV shows and have, and I have friends that work in, in Hollywood and mm -hmm. entertainment. And I'm just like, that's a whole yeah. other beast. Yes. 
It's it is. like the mean girls table. It is big time. There are a <laughs> lot of mean industry. girls. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's one of the issues that I had with Hollywood is I thought the people mm-hmm. were really not very nice. And, and there's a real okayness with not being very nice to each other. And it was almost this badge of honor. And I could feel myself while I was there just being angrier and meaner and shorter and all these things. And I was like, oh my, it's, it's really not healthy at all. And that's why the woman I worked for was incredibly kind. Like she took me in, she was like an anomaly in this vast sea, which is why everybody wanted my job. And (laughs) which helped me realize like, if I'm not happy here, I'm never going to be happy in this industry. Yeah. Okay. We went off. We went on a tangent. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's okay. No, that they're allowed. We can do. We can talk about whatever we want. Let's role play here, in a non-sexual way. So, if I'm here, I am. I'm really unhappy. I'm hating my job. I'm questioning everything about what I'm doing. What are some of the things that you would work with me to coach me through? Okay. Well, I would say if you don't know what you want to do next, if you don't have something else, then as hard as it is, stay put for a minute. And, um, and we're going to do two things. We're going to help you figure out what it is or what direction you want to move in next. And we're going to help you, um, get through the days, which is really important. I don't think that, you know, work is very much what you make it. I give this lecture to my son all the time. He hates it, but if you decide work is terrible and people are terrible, it's going to be terrible. And yes, you might have, you know, a really tough boss and really difficult, but you know, we, we choose how we are. We choose our, you know, we can show up to work with a different intention. And so it's really about saying this is temporary. I'm not going to be here forever. I just need to get through the days. Maybe it's through the hours and being, you know, focusing on that and knowing that on this other side that we're working on, Um, thinking about what else it is that you want to do. So I would do a bunch of different exercises. One I do, it's the values exercise, which is I have you go back in time and really think about times in your life where you felt you had a lot of meaning, where it was, everything was very meaningful, inspiration, excitement, really helping you understand like, what are the values behind the moments in time where you felt like you were at your best and where life felt meaningful? Because I always say with work, it's not about happy. It's about meaning. You have to find meaning. You're never going to be happy to get up every day. Every day, it, honestly, I love that. you yes. know, you're, you're the, I love, love, love what I do. It is incredibly meaningful to me. But yeah, I would love, <laughs> I would like to start. I would like to, you know, maybe work less and, and do other things, right? Like, so, so it's still work and it's still an obligation. And so you can't look for that passion or the happiness part because those are fleeting feelings meaning stays. So focus on the meaning. So I want you to go back in time and look at those meaningful moments and the happy and the inspira- inspirational moments, and then really identifying what are those values and, and then asking yourself, like, am I living within those values and why, why not? And sort of digging into what's going on. Usually what we find is, is that there are some things in there that people are, people start to, when they start to connect the dots, they start to realize, yeah, I kind of picked this job for money. Or, yeah, I kind of picked this job because I would make my dad happy. Or I kind of did this. And now I realize, like, there was this other thing that I wanted to do, but I I was too scared. I wanted to be a writer, but I was too scared. It just felt too big. And then another thing I'll have people do is just an energy audit throughout the day where 
every hour you jot down, what did you just do and how did you feel? You could even do it every half hour to really get a sense of, because what happens is we have these days and there's some things we kind of like, there's some things we don't like, you know, depending on how stressful it was, we determine that. And a lot of it is I want to start sussing out with you. What are the parts of your job that you like? What, what are the things that, that you, you know, you, you say you hate everything, but there's gotta be something like, what are these pieces? And it really is almost like a little bit of a mystery of like, let's start sussing out and really figuring out what are these little clues that are telling us that there's something else you want to be doing. And as much as people might say, oh my God, I just have no idea, no idea. It's, it really is. It doesn't take much because there is always a couple ideas that are in the back of our heads, but we feel too scared. You know, the imposter syndrome kicks in. The idea of becoming a writer is really scary because like, well, what does that look like? Am I just going to start writing books and how am I going to make a living? And right. Like the, the things that people usually are wanting to do are things that are, that don't have a lot of structure you know, that don't have, there's, I've never met anyone who's like, oh my God, you know, I want to be a lawyer. It's just sort of like, you know, it, it, because law is something that people really get interested in because there's a lot of structure to it. You know, it's very clear on what you're going to do. So, so that's what I see. And I would start there. And I really see it as like a two-part process, which is exploration and reflection, exploration, reflection. So, if you want to be a writer, I wouldn't say, okay, quit your job and be a writer. That's too scary and too big, but take a writing workshop class. Like let's take a class, like start asking people that, you know, who are writers, you know, how did you get into the business? How does that work? What do you write? What do you enjoy writing? You know, what does that look like? Just start to explore and then step back and reflect what feels doable to me. What can I do? You know, um, what, and, and part of it is sometimes you might have to stay at a job that you don't really enjoy for a while that you, so that you can figure out to save your money or figure out how to, um, you know, be able to maybe move somewhere else in the company to something that you want to do more. So those are just some ideas of where I would start with people, but it's, it's a combination. I always say to people like explore, reflect, explore, reflect, go out, try out things that are low stakes that are not, you know, that's not super scary. And then come back and ask yourself, okay, what's coming up for me? You know, does that sound interesting? Is, am I feeling resistant to it because it's something I truly don't want to do? Or is it because I fear it? You know, because the fear is the thing that gets in all of our way all the time. Um, I just sat here with so much anxiety rehashing the last (laughs) 10 years of my life. I'm like, oh my God, just every, everything you spoke about, I... I that had happened to me and it just rehashed all of those feelings for me Mm -hmm. you know what really rings true and hits home for me when you talked about reshaping or just reestablishing your thought process for how you're gonna go into work Mm -hmm. I remember one of my last jobs I was so miserable I got fired And I was the director of sales and operations, obviously not a role that you could be mediocre in. Mm -hmm. You got to perform. And by the time I got to that position, I had been trying to escape sales for years. Like I had checked out of sales probably four years, three years prior to that. And I was always saying, put me on marketing, put me on marketing. No one would ever let me go to marketing. And I remember by the end, I was just clawing my way through and 
a friend at the time said, like, Allie, you're working on a side project. You're finding new things that excite you. This is your job, though. Mm -hmm. So decide you're going to have an okay day. Know that it's temporary. Stop going in miserable and just show up. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. I got fired. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's what you needed. And I needed it. Yeah. Because after getting fired from that job, that was the most pivotal moment of my life. Because at the time, and I remember it's funny because we contracted in another guy um, to do a lot of our digital marketing and a lot of our brand work. And he said to me, he's like, so what are you going to do next? I was like, oh, like maybe I'll just go work at like so-and-so. And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, what about this? He was like, no. Do you not know what you want to do? And I kept suggesting, he's like, that's not what you want to do. And I was like, well, you seem to know what I want to do. So why don't you just like enlighten me? And he said, he didn't. And he just laughed. I never knew I would be working in creative. I had written that off because I never went to school for it because I wasn't professionally trained because I had no idea how the industry works. And at the time, my Instagram account started growing. I didn't realize that a passion project of mine that started to grow gave me an upper hand of people in the city that had no idea how this platform worked. And it was soon to become an integral part of digital marketing. And I had no idea that I would now be taking photos that would be published or taking photos of on TV sets. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that I'd be asked to be speaking about transformation or doing anything that I'm doing right now. And I think it's just that reminder and we've touched on it a few times. You have no idea what's going to happen in your life and when it's going to happen. But one of the, the really big turning points for me I was um, listening to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't remember most of the things from that book. I remember one thing from that book. And she said, stop figuring, like, stop dying over trying to figure out what you're passionate about and start exploring things that you're curious about. Mm -hmm. And that changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the part that we, we tend to think about is, is that we forget. And especially when you're young, it's hard to see it. But what I try to tell my clients is is that even now, 20 some odd years later, I still use, you know, things that I learned from working in LA, Hollywood today. I said that, that there is no people think, and I think especially this last year, people have been feeling like, oh my God, it's a wasted year of my life. And it's a waste of time. And I said, things are a waste of time. If you decide they're a waste of time. But nothing in life is a waste of time. Like all of those experiences you had, I'm sure in sales have come now and you've been like, oh, this is, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I learned these things. 1000%. Sales has been the biggest thing in my tool belt. You know how to sell. You can do anything. Yes. Yes. Including sell yourself. And as an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, I don't think I would have made it had I had not had the confidence from eight plus, well now like 12 years of sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the, what's hard is when you're in it, it's really hard to see, but everything that you're learning at work, everything that you're doing, it's, it's going to come back. It's going to help you. It all, it's all this long process. And I think that 
what we have to be able to sort of look at, we have to look at our careers differently, that it's, it's this evolution of growth. And, and yes, you're sort of slowly narrowing things down as you go. And maybe 10 years from now, you might say, you know what, I think I'm going to pivot a little, like I'm married, I have a family, I'm doing this now, I'm going to switch things up, I'm going to do this over here. And that's okay. It's okay to keep doing that, to keep kind of reinventing yourself because, you know, we're all living longer. Everybody's working longer. We're all going to be doing this for a much longer time and you need to enjoy what you're doing. It's really, really important. And I think that the sort of old school idea of work is that you shouldn't enjoy it. And then we came in with this, like work is work and you shouldn't enjoy it. So don't enjoy it. And then we came in with this idea of, no, 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 you should enjoy it, but follow your passion. And it's like, no, because passions are fleeting. <laughs> so don't follow your passion. Like it's, it's really about thinking about, you know, what am I, what am I curious about? What interests me? What's, what are parts about this that I, you know, that I think that I would like to do. And your job is what you do all day, every day. So if I hated speaking to people, then my job would be torture. <laughs> you know, if I was not interested in people or if I was not interested in human growth or psychology, my job would be torture. And the thing is, there are people in the field of psychology um, that they don't work with people. They do research, they, you know, do experiments, they teach, they do this, they do that. So that's the part that's really important is, is that people get very stuck on money and title. And I'm like, money and title is great. Money is nice. Title is nice. But at the end of the day, what you do day in, day out, how you make up your days, that you have to enjoy. And if you don't, then you will you will be unhappy doing things for a paycheck. Also, we glamorize the shit out of jobs, mm -hmm. which yeah. I think sets some people up for disappointment. Like, oh, if I move to my dream job, I'm going to love working. Mm -hmm. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurship and running your own business. And again, internet has an amazing way of making it seem like be free, be your own boss, like never work a day in your life. And it's like, girl or guy, you realize that you're not only going to be the boss, but you're going to be the account manager, the creative director, the janitor, the this person that you are mm -hmm. now responsible. Like you're going to be working. Oh, and you yeah. might, like there's not... And do I love my job more now? Yes. Do I, could, could I see myself ever going back to an office? Likely not, but it's not, it's not glam. And I think I, that was one of the lessons or, you know, noticings that I had for me. I was like, you really have to check yourself and stop putting other things on a pedestal because all of these things are going to require work and you're actually going to be working a heck of a lot more now to get established than what you were doing before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think my realization was I don't actually like to work. So that's its own, <laughs> that's its own problem, you know? Like, I don't think I can fix that. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I think that people, right? And then the idea of it is, well, how do I fix it so that I don't, that I don't work? And, you know, people, but the thing is, is that you have to have something that you're, that you're working towards. There's gotta be some sense of accomplishment. I mean, that's really, really important is people need to have a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to be a reason to, you know, do what you're doing. And yeah, about, 
I, you know, I was working full time at a, a large healthcare company at the end of 2014. And I left that job really to just focus on my therapy practice, the coaching business and being this quote unquote entrepreneur. And I tell people that I've learned more about myself in the last five or six years doing this than I have ever in my life. <laughs> like the universe is like, oh, you want a lesson? Yes. You want to learn some stuff? Okay. Be boss. an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Buckle yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Because it forces you to really look at yourself. All the imposter syndrome comes out all of the fears you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or wherever. And you're looking and you're like, everybody else is, you know, back to that whole thing. Everybody else seems to know something that I don't know. Everybody else is figuring it out. And, um, and I think that, you know, the world of online entrepreneurship and all of that, I think it's, I think it's obviously changing tremendously and it's, it's growing and it's morphing in different ways, but, yeah, I mean, it is incredibly difficult to be visible and put yourself out there and say, this is who I am, because you're selling yourself, essentially, you know, and when you sell yourself, it's, it's like, oh, you don't want me. So it's incredibly painful and difficult. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is like the, yeah, I, I don't get into this if you're not ready. <laughs> if you're not ready to like, look at yourself and work on yourself. Yeah. I think I want to talk about one more thing before yeah. I want you to plug the shit out of your new course coming okay. up. But, <laughs> but um, this is this is perfect because this year was probably, or this, I say, keep saying this year, but this yeah. pandemic year, we're approaching the one year mark, has been probably the best and worst year for me. Mm -hmm. Because uh, worst year actually was the worst year of her business. I lost my whole business, so that wasn't great. <laughs> but best because when I could actually come out of the grieving of it, realize that it this year silenced me, it mm. forced silence upon me. And it allowed me to really face myself to say, again, it's time to reflect, what are have you been avoiding in your work? What have you been avoiding personally? Have you been working because you want these clients and because you love what you're doing? Are you working because you're about to make a fuck ton of money or like really like what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I realized or not even realized because I knew I was doing this, but I finally had the time to accept all of these things that I've been personally avoiding working on for self. I finally have the opportunity to do it. And I can look at this year as a rebuild for me as a person. After I kind of like got through the noise of like, Oh my God, how are people being so successful this year? Is it just mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the things about the pandemic that, you know, there's been some great things and some not great, so great things. And listen, if the, if our, if the world could learn this lesson in a different way, this is a really difficult way to learn a lesson. But from what I've seen, what's been huge for people is it's really forced people to sit down and like, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, especially like all the FOMO that people had, right? There was no FOMO because there was nothing to mow, you know, there was nothing to miss out <laughs> on. And, and so, and so I think for the first time in a long time, a lot of people who were go, go, go work and then drinks with friends. And then I'll go on these two Tinder dates and then I'll go home and I'll do, go to the gym and then I'll do this. I'll do, like these people that were running 
running, 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 never stopping, we're really forced to stop and like slow down and sit. And, and I, what I've seen is a lot of people are struggling with negative thinking because they're sitting in their thoughts. Like people have been, have had to sit in their thoughts, in their feelings for close to a year now. It's incredibly, people are like, whoa, the stuff in my head is I feel really attacked by everything you just said. But right. But from what you're saying is, is that just like, just like getting fired, it forces you to sort of, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to make a change that you didn't, you didn't choose. So when we make a change and we choose it, yeah. it's very different than when a, a change is forced upon us. And that's what yeah. this pandemic has happened. It's sort of forced upon all of us and we've all had to adjust and change. But I think that you know, if you can take a step back and say, this is not a waste of time. None of this has been a waste of time. And my hope is, is that people have really been able to get down to the nitty gritty of like, what is it, you know, do I like where I live? Do I like what I do? Do I like the people I surround myself with? Do I, you know, I've seen, I've had a lot of clients who have said, you know, that's it. I don't, I don't really like San Francisco. I'm gone. You know, I'm going to leave and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I mean, people are flocking out of cities they don't want to live in. People are getting out of relationships. People are holding on to relationships. Like people are really getting clearer on in the end, if everything's gone, what's really important to me. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard, it's hard to see the good that comes from that until you're, you're like the dust settles mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because it's to have the carpet pulled from right under you it's abrupt. It's forceful. You didn't ask for it. And the world is just like, well, too bad. Here yes. we go. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It was a very, very hard year. And I think, and we, we kind of talked about it super briefly before we started recording, but people are hitting like this third wall of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. They are. It's, it's like different emotional stages of the pandemic. <laughs> there have been, right? I mean, I think that now, I think for so long, you know, especially last year, I think people were really holding on to, especially in this country, the, you know, okay, new president, um, vaccine and 2021, you know, and, and they were holding on to these things. And then 2021 comes and, um, and people are like, oh, wait, I'm still in my sweatpants. You know, I'm still in my sweatpants. The political scene is still a turmoil, right? The pen, the the vaccine is coming, but I I'm nowhere near in line anywhere to get it. And I think people are seeing that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but that it's a long road to get there. And so that fatigue sets in. And I have a lot of clients who keep saying to me, like, oh my God, I'm so unproductive. You know, it's a new year. I should be refocused on this. And I'm like, you're unproductive because you're exhausted. We are all, we've all for an entire year have been at this heightened level of anxiety. And when you're in a heightened level of anxiety for a long period of time, it does something to you. It does something to your body, to your mind. And it, one of the symptoms is it exhausts you and it makes you feel just the, you just feel spent. And so that's, so of course, when you sit down in front of your computer, you're not motivated. Of course not because you're emotionally drained and to just depleted was my year of 2020. Yeah. yeah, Depleted. (laughs) So it's, if you feel depleted, if anyone out there feels depleted, please, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing go. I tell people like, go take a rest. You know, I mean, it's, it's okay. And, and one of the parts 
that I, you know, what I've really appreciated about the pandemic is just the ability to work from home and, and being it, I want people to start looking at it less as I work from nine to five and start to think about, okay, these are all the things I need to do today for work. These are all the things I need to do for my family. Um, you know, the most important things are, you know, when are you going to get some exercise? When are you going to do something for you? When are you going to, you know, read or do something that you really enjoy? And then being able to say, okay, I'm going to work for two hours. Then I'm going to take a walk. Then I'm going to help my kid with his homework. And then I'm going to work a little bit more. And then I'm going to take the dog out. Like just being able to see that, like take little breaks, take time. Like you don't have to be glued to your computer from nine to five to feel like I'm a good I'm a good worker. I'm a good productive person. It's like people just, just get your work done. However that is. And, and, but still go out for two hours and take a long hike or a walk because that's going to let you or allow you to do the rest of your work and not burn out. I love that. That's so good. And I think, I think people have probably heard that a few times, but I think we need to hear it more. Yeah. Like that constant reminder because those other feelings overpower everything. I it's been such a roller coaster ride where I'm like I have days where I'm just on the top of the mountain and I have days where it's just been like landslide, crash bottom and those are just constant like what you just said is is more like an affirmation for me now. Not mm-hmm. not a reminder because I constantly have to be like it's going to be okay. Everything yeah. is temporary. Do what you can. Every second you have an opportunity to change or make a decision just go with it. Go yeah. with the flow. I hate yes. saying that, but this year I really had to accept that we got to go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. I lied. I had one more. Okay. Um, fangirl question. <laughs> tell, tell us about Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Oprah magazine. Yeah. Did you uh, get I mean, meet Oprah? No, get- no, 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 no. Far from it. Far from it. I was just, I was just, uh, I can't remember how that came about. I've been, I do, I write for CNBC and, um, and I think that I just found, I either responded to it somewhere, but they were looking for quotes from people who wanted to know what's the difference between being a life coach and a therapist and and all that. And I'm like, well, listen, I do both. So I can tell you, you know, this is what it's like. And these are the differences and this is how you should think about it. And I think that, you know, because it just comes up a lot in Google. So no, no, I have not met Oprah yet. I'll say yes someday, maybe. Um, You're going to meet Oprah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Tess, tell us what you're up to now and how people can connect with you and potentially work with you. Yes. So I'm really, really excited. So last year I launched a online course called Find Your Path. And over the years, what I've found is there are six main areas that um, my clients really struggled with. And I really was able to boil those down and, and created a program that will allow you to all of the things that I talked about today, I talk about in various ways in the program, but it's really about how to, um, how to think about these years of your life, how to make decisions, how to let go of judgment how to let go of your fears, um, deal with your emotions, all of that. And so that is on my um, website, uh, tessbrigham.com. You can find it there. But in March, what I'm doing is I'm putting together a group of women um, who are interested in going through the program together. So 
um, you'll get access to the program itself, but you'll also get me. So we'll be doing group coaching together for an hour and a half each week. You'll get an individual coaching session with me. Um, it's eight weeks long. I'm leaving the date very loose because I really want to get the right group of people together. And with groups, it's always hard because you're just trying to get the right, you know, balance and, and people. Um, and yeah, you're going to get tons of support and accountability. What I love about coaching is it gives you a lot of support and a lot of accountability and community. And that's what I'm hearing from a lot of my clients is just community, feeling really disconnected yeah. from other people, yes. disconnected from what's, what's going on with other people. So um, if you're interested, uh, just go to my website, just schedule a, um, a consult with me. Just let me know that you're interested in the group and then I'll give you a call and see if it's a good fit. Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, oh, Tess. thank you. And for everyone listening, just head over to the show notes. I will link everything we just talked about. You can connect with Tess. You can connect with myself. And um, I will see you for next week's episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have two episodes that drop every single week for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And of course, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes. Slide into my DMs and... You can find the link for my free online community. This is designed for inspiring, badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. See you then.